The gospel reading today comes from the book of Matthew, selected verses, and it tells the story of Jesus' trial, both in the Jewish and the Roman court. Now the chief priests and the whole council were looking for false testimony against Jesus so that they might put him to death, but they found none. Though many false witnesses came forward, at least two came forward and said, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and build it in three days. The high priest stood up and said, have you no answer? What is it that they testify against you? But Jesus was silent. Then the high priest said to him, I put you under oath before the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, you have said so. But I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated in the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his clothes and said, he has blasphemed. Why do you still need witnesses? You have now heard this blasphemy. What is your verdict? And they answered, he deserves death. Then they spat in his face and struck him, and some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Messiah, who is it that struck you? Now at the festival, the governor was accustomed to release a prisoner for the crowd, anyone whom they wanted. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Jesus Barabbas. So after they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? For he realized that it was out of jealousy that they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, I have nothing to do with this innocent man, for today I have suffered a great deal because of a dream about him. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus killed. The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release? Should I release Barabbas? Then what should I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? And all of them said, Let him be crucified. Then he asked, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. Here ends the reading of today's scripture. The words of God for the people of God. Amen. So our text today takes us to the part of Jesus' story when he is arrested. And this is the famous trial as recorded by Matthew. It happened late on a Thursday night after he and his disciples had celebrated the Passover. Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. It was there that the soldiers and the temple guards arrived to arrest Jesus. How would they know they had the right person? Because one of his own disciples, Judas, would identify him with a kiss on the cheek. The soldiers take him into custody. He comes before the Sanhedrin that night. And then the high priest, Caiaphas, sends him to Pontius Pilate early in the morning. Later that day, Jesus is tortured and crucified. We have an exclusive interview with Caiaphas. Could you give us your name and your job, sir? Hello, I'm Caiaphas, and I was the high priest or religious authority from 18 to 26 CE. 
My job was to control the temple treasury, manage the temple police, and perform religious rituals. I was also the president of the Sanhedrin, which is the Jewish council. That's the council that considered the case of Jesus, right? Yes. Is it true that there's a liaison between the Roman authority and the Jewish leaders? Yes, that is the reason for my long tenure. Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, and I worked well together to keep the peace. So that's worked out pretty well for you. Where is it that you live? Jerusalem's upper city. Oh, the wealthy section. Yes, of course. Can I ask you, before the trial, what was it like to be the high priest during the time of Jesus? You have to understand that Jewish uprisings and protests, many people feared that Romans would appropriate our ancient lands. Because of the riots in 6 CE, the Roman authorities crucified some 2,000 Jews and enslaved 20,000 more. This, of course, radicalized armed resistance like the Zealots and insurgents like John the Baptist. He proclaimed an avenging God, and that alarmed Herod Antipas, especially after John the Baptist openly criticized him for divorcing his wife and unlawfully taking Herodias, the wife of his brother, Herod Philip I. It was all pretty complicated. He then arrested John and had him beheaded. Yes, he could be pretty touchy about his personal life. But he didn't suppress the Jesus movement. Why was that? Well, to Antipas, he wasn't a threat because he preached nonviolence. And Jesus criticized Judaism, maybe more than the Romans. What then led to Jesus' arrest? Antipas underestimated him. Jesus was gaining power. His message was nonviolent, but he spoke out against the Roman and Jewish collaboration. He was stirring up the masses. You know, it only takes a person throwing a stone and the whole crowd erupts into violence. When he came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, we knew it was a demonstration mocking Roman rule. He was a protester, a troublemaker. The crowds were thick that day fawning over him. Then he was teaching his propaganda in the temple. We couldn't do anything in broad daylight. I think the final straw, though, was when he came to the temple quoting scripture and turning over the tables and chasing people out. What was that demonstration about? He was calling on the prophecy of Jeremiah 7 that warns that worship in the temple does not excuse us from the practicing of justice. There were people filling the pinch of Roman rule, to be sure, but you have to understand it was festival time, Passover, leading into the week of unleavened bread, which brought huge numbers of Jews to celebrate Exodus. You know, when we celebrate the freedom from slavery in Egypt. Well, I could see where that would be tense. Celebrating former freedom in the light of a new oppression, this time from Rome instead of Egypt. So we had to arrest him. Jesus responded to your questioning with a quote from Daniel 7, was it? How did that read? You have said so, but I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated on the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. That blasphemer. Who does he think he is claiming to be the one who comes? This Galilean peasant, this young radicalized independent, he didn't take into account the ramification of his claims. How tenuous this relationship between Rome and Judea. It got him killed. 
You sent him to Pontius Pilate. Why? Jesus needed to go. No mere flogging would deter this one. We figured telling Pilate that he was claiming to be the king of the Jews would get him executed for treason. Plenty more were crucified for much less. The Sanhedrin couldn't execute a Jew. Well, that was pretty clever, getting the Romans to take responsibility for Jesus' death. And still more fear in the masses, so that would keep order, right? I was just doing my job. Now I'd like to introduce you to Pontius Pilate. Tell us your job, governor. Hello, I'm the Roman prefect, or the governor of Judea, which is the province of Syria. That means I command the Roman military units, construction projects. I collect the imperial taxes, decide civil and criminal cases. I hear you worked pretty well with Caiaphas, the high priest. Ah, yes, we, we worked together for over 10 years. We're investigating the trial of Jesus. Um, can you tell me more about your role in that? Yes, the first time I laid eyes on him, I couldn't believe the Jewish leaders were so intimidated by this scrap of a man. He was a peasant. He was beaten and bruised. I understand that Jesus was protesting the Jewish religious cooperation with the Roman imperial control. I had heard about his speaking. He talked about nonviolence. I couldn't see how that was a threat, except he had this huge following. The only thing I can think is that they were envious of him. I don't know. I can understand their nervousness around the festival crowds, but he seemed innocent to me. What caused you to follow through in the execution if you thought he was innocent? Well, you see, government and societies enforce control through division and anger and hate, anxiety and power. Worship of the political identity is what we were after in the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was among the most powerful economic, cultural, political, and military forces in the world of its time. It was one of the largest empires in world history. It played a critical role in the development of your modern world. It really wasn't much of a trial, was it? Well, I didn't know the crowds would ask for Barabbas instead of Jesus. And when they did, I couldn't turn them down at that moment. We, wouldn't, we would have had a riot. It's a shame the crowd turned on Jesus like that. Is it possible that while you were interrogating Jesus, the Jewish authorities were rounding up the crowds to call for Barabbas? I mean, after all, he was a famous revolutionary too. And no one knew that Jesus had been arrested yet. It was still pretty early in the morning. Maybe. Who knows? Well, then there's Philo, the Jewish philosopher. He, he was about 41 CE. He writes that you took bribes and repeatedly executed people without trials and were known for your cruelty. Well, consider the source. What I did at Jesus' trial was legal within the Roman laws of the day. Well, then you lost your position in 36 AD when you ordered an attack on Samaritans that were gathered at a holy site. 
And then there were some incidences that had public, growing public unhappiness, like when you brought the effigies of Caesar in by the dark of night and used the temple funds to build an aqueduct. The Syrian governor removed both you and Caiaphas. I was just doing my job. I also interviewed Matthew, the gospel writer. Hi, Matthew. I'd like to interview you for this sermon. Can you tell us how you came to write this book of Matthew? Yes, I started writing for my community, just like you do when you write a sermon for your community. I was writing about 70 years after the event and wanted to be sure that the story was passed down. You know, it's a very important story. I've heard it told more times than I can count. I've, I've had access to some older copies of the written story, but I hear that the manuscripts have since been lost to your day and time. I'm thankful that you still have the gospel accounts, though. Since you were not an eyewitness and you are retelling the story for your people, how can we be sure it's historically accurate? Well, there's more to telling a story than getting the facts exactly right. What you're getting from reading my version is how the story endured through time. The essential feelings were preserved. I think you can gather from my writing how Jesus' intent was more about being a social revolutionary than a political one. He had no intention of replacing the people in power by overthrowing one government and replacing it with another. The people saw him as a prophet. And as a prophet, his job was social and spiritual revolution. I get the impression that the crowds are really hungry for what Jesus had to say. That's a good way of looking at it. Riots and protests occur because people are not heard. And there's no forum for them to be heard. Jesus offered them space to hear that they were not forgotten by God. In fact, they were blessed. For example, it was common to think that if you were rich, you were blessed by God. But Jesus said just the opposite. Blessed are the poor. For the rich will find it very difficult to live in the kingdom of God. I noticed in your collection of stories that Jesus emphasized equality a dignity for all people, women, children, differently abled, outcasts, and beggars. Jesus, as rabbi and teacher, offered us hope that the learned and the wise have no monopoly on truth. Sometimes the truth can be obscured because of their learnedness. We can learn even from our children. Law and order seem to be pretty important for Caiaphas and Pilate. It's pretty important in our day and age, too. Can you say more about how Jesus looked at the law? The spirituality of Jesus was based on the rabbinical law, but the law of God was made for the people, not the people for the law. What mattered were the people. Everything else was relative to that. His idea of the reign of God was more like a loving family than a conquering empire. So Jesus did protest. And his teaching did stir up the people. And even though Jesus was nonviolent, he certainly wasn't passive. Did his movement help or hurt the people? As a prophet, Jesus explained that the reign of God would rise up from below, from the poor, the sinners, the outcasts, the forgotten ones, rather than coming down from on high. 
We are to care for each other, even for our enemies. We are to meet together like family around a table for a meal. Thinking of the kingdom of God this way brings the coming of the kingdom to a present reality rather than a future event. It's more available. And while the world is in turmoil, we experience the peace of Christ in the breaking of bread and the gathering of God's people. That gives us courage to continue spreading the good news. So in a sense, God's community or family is like leaven or yeast already at work in the world. What we are waiting for is already here. Yes. All prayers, spiritual practices, rituals, and worship build up the body of Christ so that we continue to care for the poor, embrace the foreigner, heal the sick, protect the afflicted, speak out on behalf of those who are unable to speak. Jesus revealed the image of the invisible God, a merciful God, who is more like a father than a judge. At first, it would seem Jesus' conviction and execution would discourage his followers, but it seemed to do just the opposite. Something happened, to be sure. We, his followers, were galvanized from a baffled, cowering group to a people encouraged to deliver the message about a living Jesus and the present kingdom of God. We preached this healing message at the risk of our own lives, and it eventually changed an empire. It's pretty telling that that Christianity as a movement is still alive while the Roman Empire fell to ruin. So what did I learn from these interviews? Our nations continue to be made with bureaucratic systems where politicians say they are just doing their job. And the military takeover, the soldiers say they are just doing their job. And the ICE agent that tracks down illegal immigrants regardless of the family being torn apart say they are just doing their job. That means then, as followers of Christ, we need to do our job to seek justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. Amen.